Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you in your homes. Thank you for welcoming us into your home today to worship with you. We're really honored to have this privilege. My name is Ethan. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I know we've talked about the coronavirus a lot lately. And uh, for the next half hour, what I want to do is not talk about that, but talk about words that give life. Talk about God's word, the gospel, what Jesus wrote to us today. So that is my plan. This message is a, is a harder one for me to preach for a couple reasons. One is because I'm talking to a camera and not to people. That's hard. But also because I planned, I wrote this message in my garage uh, this week under my self-quarantine and trying to write it in there. So distracted. I was freezing cold. And uh, I'm just praying that my message doesn't come across as distracting and cold to you. So we're praying that the God, God will speak into this, that his spirit will be alive even on this recording today. Uh, what I want to talk about, though, is Jesus' words as, he, as we approach Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew 6, he's talking about rewards. Okay, rewards are funny things. You know, we love rewards in our lives. And you guys do crazy things to get a reward, right? For the kids in here, what would you guys do for just uh, five Skittles? You know, I bet you'll do jumping jacks the whole time I'm doing this sermon if you can get, get five Skittles. Skittles. I don't want you to do that, but I bet you would, right? But you adults, you're just as crazy. What you do to get a little Christmas bonus or a plaque on the wall just to get the reward from your boss is crazy. You work all kinds of hours, nights, and weekends just to get those little rewards. We get it in our games, our, our video games. They, you know, we know exactly where to get those rewards and then the, the, the next level comes and our dopamine hits. Right? But have you ever considered, have you thought about the rewards that God has for you? We probably haven't spent a lot of time talking about that, but here in this passage in chapter 6, Jesus is talking about the rewards that God has for his people. That he is ready to pour out these different rewards on every single day. But we just have to know how we get these rewards. What is God looking at? What qualifies for getting us an award? A reward from God and what disqualifies us. That's exactly what he's going to be talking about today. So just as some background, as in chapter 5, we start the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is, is showing the heart of a disciple, of someone who's in the kingdom of God. This is what the heart, the life looks like. He's contrasting it with those who are religious, those people who, who want to be a part of what God is doing but they're doing it the wrong way. They've taken their cues and their, their understandings from the people around them and not from what God has said. And so therefore they're off. So Jesus is talking to these people that are religious, but he's saying, I don't want you to be religious. I want you to be a disciple. I don't want you to just to go through the motions, but I want you to know what captures and grabs the heart of God. And so that's what he says. The first thing he talks about is the heart. That was in the Beatitudes. He's saying this is the heart of a, of a disciple, someone who is, ha, understands their spiritual poverty. They understand their brokenness before God. They understand humility and spiritual thirst, mercy and peacemaking. That is, those are the hearts that, that, that I'm trying to capture, someone who's in the kingdom of God. right? He's saying as, as those things grow, other things will fade away. And that's what we heard last week. That as your heart is cultivated to follow God, that things like anger and impure thoughts and insincere talk, retaliation, 
things like that would fade away. Okay, But what he's getting at here is that there's just no place for pride in the heart of a follower of Christ. That a heart of a follower of Christ is cultivated with this attitude of humility. But that right there is the problem. And that's what he's addressing here today. Is that as you start to grow in your spiritual walk, and as you grow and as you get uh, some confidence in, in what God is doing, and you start to, um, to really feel the power of God working, you have to be careful that you keep your eyes on the Lord and not put it back on men. That you keep your eyes looking forward to the approval of God or the reward of God and not on the reward or the approval of men. And that's what he's getting at today. So he's going to be really clear right from the beginning saying, this is what I'm looking after. And then he's going to illustrate it three different ways and three practices that, that spiritual or religious people do in saying that I'm pleased with these, but I want you to have the right heart and the right attitude behind it. So if you open up your, your scriptures to Matthew chapter six, you get in the first verse, you get a very, very clear thesis statement. We don't get these clear thesis statements so much uh, in the Bible, but here we get one, and it, he's, it's, it's very clear what he's after. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus says this. He says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Okay, so here's that's this is his sermon. This is his message. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. One, he says, be careful because it's tricky. It's very tricky from when you move to pleasing God to trying to get other people's approval. It's very tricky. We don't always notice it at the time. But he says also, be careful not to practice godly acts or your, your religiousness in front of others. Uh, this is embedded into our relationship. We like to get the approval of others. But here he's saying, when you do your godly acts or your righteousness, which are things that he'll talk about, giving, praying, and fasting, and a whole host of other things, he says, make sure you do it to, to please God, to worship him, not to please yourself, which we'd call self-righteousness, putting ourselves, you know, on the throne, making sure we do things that are right in our eyes, or to please other people, to help, to please them, do what they think is right. He says, that's not what we're interested in. Instead, we're looking to see what does God want us to do? How does he want us to behave? So be careful. Don't practice your religious deeds in front of others. And then look for the reward that comes from God, not from others. So this is terrifying to me, honestly. Because when I look at my spiritual life, when I look at the lives of us, those of us around here, I'm wondering how many things we've done truly for the glory of God and for him versus how many things we've done to be recognized by others, our prayers, our service, our good deeds. And just think of someone who can give all their money away to the poor or the needy or to solve, to, to find a, a, a cure for this virus. They can give all that away and not get a reward from God because they've done it with the wrong attitude to be noticed by men. I think of people that can care for someone in the hospital. They can sit with those who are sick and they can nurture them and care for them and comb their hair while they're lying in bed and not get a reward from God because they've done it with the wrong attitude to be noticed by men and not God. 
or to pray great prayers or preach great sermons all to amount for nothing because they've done it to receive the approval of men, not God. But this terrifies me. And as, uh, as we move forward, as men and women who want to be in God's kingdom, who are want to follow him, we, we need to be very careful about how we practice our good deeds, our, our religious deeds. So he tells us here, there's a secret to that. He tells us, here's a secret that you need to know that will get you a reward from God. And here's a secret. Do it in secret. <laughs> Just to do your religious deeds, do your good works in secret. Okay, here's how he illustrates it. We're going to go through three different things uh, in our time together. The first thing is how we give uh, righteously and not religiously. Okay, how we give. And here in the context that he's talking about, he's talking about giving our, our, our finances to those who are in need. So here in Matthew 6, verse 2, he says this. <clears throat> so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then... Your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So he talk, he's talking about giving. And here, it's interesting, in this culture, the Greeks, the Romans, they didn't give to the needy. They didn't give to those people who are in need. They gave to big projects so they could get their names on things, so they could get recognition. But the Jews would do this. It was very, this was part of who they were. They would give to the needy. They'd go into the synagogue. There would be a, a, a plate there where they could put their coins in and give to the needy. Uh, and this was really an important thing. Even some of the rabbis of that day said things like this, that it's better to give alms, you know, give to the needy, than to, to lay up gold. For almsgiving saves from death and purges away every sin. You hear that? So there are some rabbis that are teaching saying it's better to give to the needy that will save you from your sins, all right, and save you from eternal death when you give to the needy. So, of course, this naturally then, for someone who wants to have their sins forgiven, who wants to be right by God, they would make sure that they were noticed. They'd come in there and, and uh, walk around. They'd put their coins in that plate, probably, you know, dropping them from a good distance. So they made a good noise. So that one, God would see them and notice what he's doing, their sins would be forgiven, but that others would notice too. Uh, be, to just to be clear, giving to the needy is a good thing. God says this is, this is important, but it will not save you from your sins, right? It will not save you from death, but there, there are actions that we are to do. But to do it with the right heart, not the wrong heart. And he shares what this is. He shares what this looks like saying that when you do this, do it in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, All right? Now, I don't see many people in our church, you know, making a big deal when the offering plate comes around, you know, waving their money or their, their, uh, their checks. I don't see that, but I do think that we do the right thing for the wrong reasons so many times, right? And this is what he's talking about, that the religious person, all right, that's trying just to be religious, they are going to do things with the wrong motivations. And here's what I think that we fall, the trap that we fall in. If we're trying to be religious, 
when we give to God, when we give to the church or the needy, we're almost coming like with a contract. Like we see God almost like a landlord. Like I'm giving my money to you, God, so that you can give something back to me. I'm giving you my money so that I can have a nice place to live. I can have a healthy family and a happy home and a successful job and all those kinds of things. We, we come at it from like a renter's perspective, saying that if I give to you, then you owe it to me to give me a nice shelter. When my, when my life breaks apart, you're going to come in and fix it, just like a landlord would come and fix a toilet or a sink or anything else that's broken. That's the danger that we have, living kind of this quid pro quo, this favor for favor relationship with God. So that would be the, what Jesus is talking about here is someone who is doing these things to be noticed or to earn some sort of a, a favor from God, thinking that the renter, the religious person, will say something like this, that, that I have to give in order to get these things back. However, what Jesus is saying, the disciple, the, the person who is walking in the kingdom of God, does not see things that way. They don't give because they have to. They give because they want to. That God has given so much. He's blessed our lives with such abundance that we want to give back. Not to be noticed by anybody, but only to give glory to the Lord. And he says, when you do that, that's when I'm going to bless you. So give in secret. The, the point being here is not that you have to sneak into the church at night with your offering, put in the offering plate when nobody sees you. That's not the point. But we don't flaunt this and we don't make a big deal out of it. Just so you know, and just to be clear, like our church does track giving, but we do that because the, the government, you know, credits giving to nonprofits and all that. So we take, we keep track of your donations, but I'll let you know this, that none of the pastors are included in this. We don't know what people give, right? That we don't want to know that. It's tracked by someone else for uh, very specific tax purposes. But beyond that, this is between you and the Lord. All right, let's give in secret because he is the one that you're giving to. And it's his reward that you're looking for, not from anybody else's. So that's how we give righteously, not religiously. The second thing is this. Now he moves on to prayer. And he gives us some illustrations and some ideas how to pray righteously and avoid praying religiously. So he's going to give three things. He's going to say pray in secret. Pray intentionally and pray with forgiveness in your heart. Okay, so the first thing is this, pray in secret. Verse 5 and 6 says this. So when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's unseen, then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. All right. Again, he's talking about being religious, being following, being a person who follows God. And in this context, he says, when you pray, do it in secret. Don't be like the hypocrites that do it on the street corners. Now, again, how many of, of you have I seen praying on the street corners for everyone to see? I haven't. I've still not seen any of you. But the point is here is that what we, when we pray, we're praying to be heard by God and not by others. He says, go in secret. 
Now, can we pray publicly? Is it okay to have a public prayer in church or to pray in a small group or a Bible study? Of course it is. I mean, Jesus prayed in big groups and, and, and the apostles did too, all that. They pray publicly. So that's not what he's saying. But he's saying how instead of, of, of praying before men, when you pray, make sure that you are praying specifically to God. Not to be heard, not to be rewarded by others, by your vocabulary or how long you pray or anything like that, but to pray specifically to your Father. When you pray in secret, your Father hears you. He's unseen, but He sees what you're doing, and He'll reward you. Okay, so prayer is a conversation with the Lord to seek God's heart, not men's approval. That's the first thing. The second thing is He's saying pray intentionally. Pray intentionally. He goes on in verse 7. He says, and when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. God's not impressed by long, lengthy prayers. Right? It's okay to pray long if you're praying with your heart and before the Lord. But here he's saying, I want you to be intentional what you pray for. He says, don't be like the pagans who just babble on. Back then, those who from other religions would say, if I want my God to hear me, I just got to repeat his name. I got to say his name. I got to keep saying it louder and louder to get his attention. And he says, that's not going to work. That doesn't work here. That's not how we pray in the kingdom of God, right? But we're going to be intentional. So the question is, well, how long is the perfect prayer? How long is that, that perfect prayer? Well, he doesn't, again, he doesn't give us, you know, guidelines like your English teacher who says, I want a paper from you that's eight pages, 4,500 words. I want a good intro. I want a good conclusion. And then you'll get an A. <laughs> Jesus doesn't tell us that kind of thing. But he does give us an example. He gives us this example of a, of a prayer. And this prayer is only 53 words long. If you add the ending on it that, that some manuscripts end, it's 64 words. But it's short, and it's intentional, and it's to the point. And I think that's what he's saying. So some of the questions that I've been thinking of that's been convicting me is, do my private prayers differ than my public prayers? Right? When I pray publicly, am I looking for that right word? Um, that will impress others. When I finish praying, uh, do, am I, am I, do I kind of grade myself on how many amens or mmm, preach it, brother, do I get? Are those my, the things that I'm concerned with? Or am I concerned with, did I bring my heart before the Lord? Did I come with intention to be with Him and, and, and sit with Him and to communicate with Him? Have I done that? Those are hard questions for us to ask, but things that we must consider. But here is the model of prayer that he gives us. He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think the thing that was probably shocking to the disciples was the brevity of this, that it was just so short and to the point. It must have blown their minds because this was not the model that they had. But here Jesus says, this is how I want you to pray. Address the Father 
and come to him first, all right, seeking his will be done and his name be magnified and glorified. And then he gives after three requests, then he turns to the human relationships and how you interact. And he says, pray for that now. And then you have prayed to the Lord. You have brought your heart to him. It doesn't mean that our prayers have to be equally short, but that they're intentional. We get to the point we bring our hearts before the Lord. So he talks about praying in secret, praying intentionally. And then he adds this part about praying with forgiveness. In verse 14, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. That's powerful, too. Because, the, again, the religious person's thinking, I don't have to ask for forgiveness. I don't have to, um, you know, confess, you know, to another person. This is between me and God. But what Jesus is saying here is that, no, that your relationships with others affect your relationship with God. That the person in God's kingdom is concerned about how they're treating other people and how God is hearing their prayers. So let's make sure that we come humbly in prayer, that we do it before God and God alone, and that we pray with intention. Now, this will be hard. This will be a challenge for us, and we're not going to get it right all the time. But to understand that this praying this way, praying in the kingdom of God, being a disciple, looks more like this than being um, in front of people and receiving rewards from them. Okay? So we just learned how to, to give righteously and how to pray righteously. There's one more, and that is how to fast righteously, not religiously. Now, stay with me, everybody. Don't go to the pantry. Don't, don't turn off the live stream. Don't say, well, fasting, that's not something relevant you know, to me. I mean, giving and prayer, those are, but fasting, come on. But once again, like with all of these, Jesus doesn't say if you fast or if you pray or if you give. He says when you fast. So there's something very special about this. There's something uh, that when we do fast, it comes right before the heart of God. It's included in this passage of how we live uh, righteously, right? It's included with this passage of how we do our good deeds, you know, our godly works. And he's saying that part of this is fasting. Okay, so here's what he says about fasting. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and they show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who's unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, okay? Once again, this is an important part of what we do spiritually. And so the question is, is well, why do we do this? Why is fasting important? I think there's probably at least three reasons. One is that we fast when we grieve over sin, right? We see this through scripture with Moses and David and Nehemiah and Job and, and on through. Uh, uh, Saul does it, or Paul when he becomes Paul. They all do this. They grieve their own sin, but they also grieve the sin of the nation, the sin of the people. So for fasting is, is part of that, is just grieving over the sin, the brokenness, the fracture of relationship. 
the second reason is because of dependence on him for future mercy. People fast when there's a big plan that's ahead, when there's a, a big decision that needs to be made. Right? Paul did this before some of their missionary journeys. We see Ezra doing this before they brought people back to Jerusalem. They're praying or they're fasting for God's mercy in whatever is happening, whatever decision needs to be made. And the third reason that people fast is to intentionally go without need so they can give to someone who is in need. So we see this practically as someone saying, I'm going to fast from a meal and instead I'm going to give that food to somebody. Or uh, instead of going out to eat and buying a meal, I'm going to take that money and give it to somebody. And this really is appropriate for right now that so many people have been, you've seen the lines, you've seen what people are doing, how they are uh, protecting themselves, some call it hoarding, but they're filling up their refrigerators, their freezers, their pantries, their garages with all kinds of supplies just in case. The problem is that those who need it can't get it. And so this would be one area for us to practice this. So instead of just giving stuff away, saying I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna give this away, I'll make this part of my spiritual work. But how do we do this so that we receive that reward from God and not man's? Basically, he tells us, he says, I don't want you to look like you're fasting. The Pharisees would do that. They would, they would dress the way they would dress, what they would put on. It was obvious that they were fasting. They're telling people before they even say anything, be careful. I'm fasting. One, I'm being religious. And two, I might be cranky today. So be careful. Right. They had that look. But Jesus is saying, I don't want you to do that. I want you to brush your teeth. I want you to want you to comb your hair, take off your sweatpants or yoga pants, put on some nice clothes, go out and be a part of society. Just act normal. Right? And if people ask you, are you why aren't you eating lunch or why don't you join us? You don't have to lie. Right? But we don't lead with it. We don't say, hey, I'm fasting everybody, so I'm gonna be hangry today, so don't bother me. We don't do that. It's that done in secret is what God sees and he rewards us. So what do we do with all this? How do we put all this together? It goes back to that beginning as Jesus is saying that when you, when you are serving me, whatever you're doing, as you're doing it a religious work, I want you to do it to be seen by me, not be noticed by other people. And that's the reward I'm going to give you. That's what I'm looking at. That's what my I'm motivated by. That's what God's heart is motivated by. By having us, having the heart of a disciple, one that is broken by sin, that is, is spiritually uh, understanding of our need before God, that's humble, that's treating other people right, but also that is living our lives not before others, but before Jesus and Jesus alone. This had to be shocking to, to the disciples and to the people that were hearing him because this was not the model that they had seen. But Jesus has given you a new model. And this is where my heart is. And I want you to receive this reward. I want you to receive all that God has for us. And those rewards that Jesus is telling us, God is handing out daily. He's blessing you daily. What those rewards look like, I don't exactly know. They're somewhat, somewhat vague. I think some of them we'll receive now. Some of them we're going to be waiting for us in heaven. But as a pastor, here's what I want from you. 
What I want from you is for you to live your life now, right before the Lord, to go boldly, to live boldly, to give generously, to pray boldly with the Lord, to bring your heart before him and to practice these spiritual disciplines like fasting to align our heart to him. But don't do it for a reward now. I don't want you to be paid in full now. What I'm hoping is when you enter those that heaven, when you enter those, those gates of heaven, that you will receive a room full of rewards. You will receive the blessing of God that says, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's the rewards that I have to bless you. May we all receive that blessing. May we all move forward uh, to live our righteously before, uh, live righteously before God, not before men. Amen. Father, may you watch over us. May you bless us. May you keep us following you. May you continue to take our hearts and guide our hearts and shape our hearts so that we would follow you and we would not live religiously, but we'd live righteously, that our hearts would be pure before you and we'd experience so many blessings uh, that we can share with this world around us, this world that's broken. Lord, may we bring the gospel. May we bring hope today. We ask this in your holy name.